0: And welcome, one and all, to episode 321 of the SLS Cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the final countdown episode of the SLS Cast. Because much like every final countdown, whether it be the nineteen eighty science fiction film, the Outlaw Star anime episode, uh the... Japanese film, or the episode from the IT crowd, if you're listening to the Swedish rock band Europe, every final countdown, every bomb scene that's going to blow up in every movie or TV series ever. If you're watching Arrest Development
1: and you like Job.
0: Yes, you're going to know that when you end a final countdown, it's three, two, one. And with that wonderful bit of knowledge, I, of course, am Matt. And coming to us all the way from sunny California would be our resident Sony employee... Tim!
1: Now, is that knowledge or is that common sense?
0: Well... It's amazing how uncommon common sense really is. How are you, sir? How are you doing?
1: I am doing well. I, of course, as some of you may or may not know, I am getting married to my more significant other in a few months and been doing a lot of wedding planning and all that jazz. Slowly but surely checking off all the different things we have to accomplish one by one. So it's uh, getting down to the end of the list, finally.
0: Yes, I I received an email about a tux rental and everything. So, I I assume you've been doing that stuff.
1: Yes. However, with the tux rental, I forgot to include a tie. <laughs> I don't want you guys thinking you're going to be uh, free chesting.
0: What we can't we can't Simon Cowell it. We should be Simon Cowling it, man.
1: As you're standing there with your chest out and your arms are crossed with your fists pushing your muscles up making it look like you're more ripped than you well, actually if are. Well, I
0: get to be if I get to use my arms to cross my chest to do that, that just makes me, you know, hide the fat a little easier. So that's good. I mean, can't go wrong with that, I don't think. But uh, I'm sure we'll figure something out. It is just a tie after all.
1: I thought it would be kind of fun to play a prank on all the groomsmen and have them wear uh, one of those, shoot, they, the cowboy ties. Oh, a bolo. Yes. Oh, man, I thought that would be hilarious. And then at the last minute, now nah, here's your have real toy. I have,
0: I have I have, a bolo. Do you would really? you want me to bring a bolo? I do. Back from my old cowboy days when I actually used to wear cowboy stuff. Did you on a daily basis wear cowboy stuff or was it... I, I really, really did. Really? Some people might even call it when, you know, being a shit kicker. But, uh, sorry for the language there, folks, but that's just what they called it. Uh, but yeah. Oh yeah. You know, you don't know everything, Tim. In the immortal words of Silent Bob, what you don't know about me can just about fill the grand effing canyon.
1: I'm enjoying this. It's been over. Seven, almost seven years. I well, definitely over seven years if we count the original SLS cast show.
0: I was gonna say it, it's been we're 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 entering about eight. eight and a half years. Yeah, knowing each other.
1: I am enjoying slowly but surely peeling back the onion of your life.
0: I, I think I think I would prefer you you know because again layers, in the immortal words of Donkey from Shrek. You know what else has layers? Parfaits. i, I the parfait that is my life. You know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I actually, and it was funny. I was even talking to my dad about it yesterday. We went to the rodeo, Houston livestock show and rodeo yesterday. Ooh. And we had director's club tickets. What does that so entail? I don't know. We've talked, I've talked about it before on the show. Basically, it's the director's club level. So, um, they have a nice, you know, it was like prime rib dinner. Uh, you get oh, all right. you can drink at the bar oh. and you've got your own special seating area and everything. And yeah, it's great. Amazing seats. You overlook the whole thing. Um, you've got your own private stadium seating and it's, yeah, it's just really, really cool. The reason why we were there was not just to do the, Livestock Show and Rodeo is because Panic at the Disco was there, and there's no way I'm not going to a Panic at the Disco concert, so.
1: Oh, you say there's no way that you're not going, as in you're a big fan of Panic at the Disco? I am a
0: super huge fan of Panic at the Disco. Really? I've been for almost 15 years. Really?
1: That's... That is another layer of the onion, of the parfait <laughs> of your life. Didn't McDonald's kind of ruin parfaits for a while? When I think of parfaits, I now think of McDonald's.
0: The McFlurry? I don't know. <laughs> well, they That's do only...
1: have parfaits
0: That's the only do they have a parfait at, uh, I guess, I don't know. I don't think of parfaits when I think of McDonald's. I think of, you know, burgers, fries, milkshakes, that that kind of thing. Um, craziness, I, I, I wasn't aware of, I guess. And see, now I learned something new, too. But at any rate, Is that so a stream? Ha- Are
1: you sitting by a riverbed as water is slowly flowing past you?
0: Yes, it's the nature version here of the SLS cast. You know, Did you empty out your catheter? Little trees, calm little rivers. Uh, no, uh, it, it was the colostomy bag. I'm not feeling well. I'm just kidding. So, it, it was just refilling the water cup. I, I truly am not feeling super hot. You might be able to tell it in my voice. I am coming off of a very bad sinus, sore throat, congestion thing. The trees have decided to give us their... Oh, uh the the um pollen. Well yeah, but we 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 call it what what is it? The uh Spunk. in the adult film no, in the in the adult film injury the bukkake. The plant bukkake is happening again. And in my old age I guess I have officially become allergic to pollen. I don't know how or why this is possible, but yes, the last few years I have noticed that every time the plant bukaki happens, I get a sinus infection and congestion.
1: That could be the name of a long-lost Ray Harryhausen movie, "Planet of the Lost Bukaki."
0: A <laughs> planet Bukaki. Planet Bukaki. So now that we've got that, to get to the water, to get to the back, to the panic at the disco, to get back to why I was talking about the rodeo, I was telling my dad about. He knew about my said, you know, cowboy gear days and all that good stuff, but he didn't even know that I had done bull riding and saddle bronc and stuff like that. And so we were talking about that last night because I was like, "Man, yeah, that really hurts." And he's like, "Well, how would you know it hurts your back?" And I'm like, "How do you not know this?" He's like, "How? How do I not know?" I'm like, "I don't know." So even he doesn't apparently know all of the layers that is me or that are me. The layers that yeah, the layers that are me.
1: I think we've learned a lot. We have about onions and parfaits and
0: and rodeos and panics at discos and
1: yeah, you know who also. Took part in a rodeo. Hmm. Luke Perry.
0: Yeah. How the hell does that happen? I know. What the hell is that shit? 52 years old. A stroke. Ah. Oh, sad. Very sad. And the worst part of it was, is he was the third celebrity. You know, air quote, celebrity of, of the three. I think he was truly the most celebrated i guess but yeah there was like two very very minor people in the entertainment industry and music industry who had passed away well not minor i guess the prodigy singer died and then someone else had died and then boom luke perry and there's there's your celebrities and threes right very sad maybe we ought to watch uh
1: at some point eight seconds because that's one movie i never did see
0: i assume maybe you've seen it i have seen it and i will tell you now You watch this movie, and you watch it on the strength of, and I say strength because that's what drew people in. You watch it on the strength of his performance as Dylan in 90210 because that's about all he was known for. Except for his minor role in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's right, folks. The movie. He was in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, yes. And you know who else was in that? Donald F. Sutherland. That's right, folks.
1: Yeah, he was the violin guy, right? He was the violin vampire dude.
0: That's Rutger Hauer. Oh, thanks for playing our game. Whatever. No, Donald. Donald <laughs> Sutherland is the teach is Buffy's teacher. Oh. And Luke Perry is kind of the love interest, and Rutger Hauer is the supreme bad guy, and of course Pee Wee Herman is the the, the trashy vampire. <laughs> who after losing his arm tells Buffy you can't hurt us we can do anything and she just looks at him and she goes oh yeah clap and I I I like that you know that's that's a great movie I want to watch that movie again I think I'm gonna have to watch that movie again also it has got a very early appearance can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head oh steven root it's got an amazing early appearance by steven root as well he is the principal in that film and he absolutely shines in the at the end of the movie it's yeah it's fantastic which has nothing to do with anything other than to say you watch eight seconds people went to go see eight seconds because it's luke perry and he was in 90210 and as a dude at the time who, uh, yes, I'm a weird guy. I actually liked 902 and 0 for like the first four seasons. And then I don't know. I think maybe I made some friends or something. And so I didn't have to stay home and watch TV on Tuesday nights and, uh, or was it Thursday nights? Whatever you watch that. And then you realize, holy crap, the movie's actually good. Like, I mean, it's really good. And you're like, where the hell did this performance come from? It's good stuff.
1: Well, we ought to maybe review those. I don't know. Is there a third Luke Perry movie out there that's worth (laughs) checking out? We can we can do a three for Sutherland of Luke Perry early '90s
0: flicks. The only other thing I remember him being in from the period, I'll pull up his filmography here in a minute. Uh, If you want to count it as a cameo, we can do that. But technically, he is in the movie, and that is uh, the Fifth Element. He's in the movie The Fifth Element for about. 25 seconds who is he in the fifth element he's the assistant he's the archaeological assistant at the very beginning of the film when they discover the pyramid and he's the guy he's drawing on the sketch pad and everything and then all of a sudden it blinks out and it becomes you know whatever twenty-five, eighty-six or whenever it takes place oh that's right so yeah he's literally in it for like eight seconds Twenty-five seconds yeah <laughs> <laughs> pull up his filmography here we've got scorchers terminal bliss buffy the vampire slayer eight seconds vacanze di natale 95 Uh, maybe that's an italian christmas movie i don't know uh normal life american strays the fifth element indiscreet the heist the florentine storm attention shoppers dish dogs the sandlot heading home alice upside down redemption road Final Storm, Good Intentions, Red Wing, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Holy crap, he had a role in that. I thought they had to, Wow, well, at least it looks like it got filmed. So it'll be a posthumous release for him there. I think maybe maybe we should stick with Fifth Element. We'll figure out something. Yeah, we'll do something special for it. Yeah. Don't worry. All right, well, without further ado, I guess we should do our discussion. Should we not, sir? We
1: should indeed
0: Then let us begin with...
2: Discussions with Matt and Tim. This time on Discussions with Matt and Tim. Matt and Tim discuss the zombie mockumentary What Doesn't Kill Us as a special request to the filmmakers. And now Discussions with Matt and Tim.
0: Yes, that's right. We were asked by the filmmakers, uh, Zach Schlapkol, Jacob Kiesling, uh, Kiesling, and Ethan Cartwright, who are the directors of this film. They reached out to us and they asked if we would cover the movie for them, and we said yes. And we've got to, we got to watch a private screener. And now it's time to discuss this film. And I think Tim would—would would it be fair? We should go ahead and at least drop the trailer, so they can, so so our so our listeners can have an idea of what's happening.
1: Oh, most definitely.
0: Then let's do that now.
1: East Texas, where the Bible Belt begins, and where all your problems end. Keith, well, he's, he's been a real surprise for us. Sometimes his, his condition can uh, provide for some awkward situations. Must
2: be a proud father. Aww uh run everywhere
1: or we shamble. I mean, we don't just walk at normal speed. Come to my game
0: and you will see how fast I am. Holy Scott! You know, being the first Necrosapien athlete to actually make some noise nationally. You
2: can barely hit it out of the
0: infield. That's a pretty big
1: deal. Oh yeah, we only eat meat We you don't brush our teeth. We are completely impotent.
2: Necrosapiens can mate. I mean, there are enough of us around now.
1: Have you now or at any time had issues with sperm production?
2: <laughs> I don't think yes. so walker, and fighter, and brave crawler. The infected? I'm definitely not one of those guys that gets offended by the Z word. Is that the zombie fella? It's not a zombie movie. What up, zombie? Don't make us angry. We have a really bad temper. Yeah, temper. The temper,
1: um, some refund or something, right? Well, I we do... don't do refunds. You know what? You better do
2: refunds.
1: <laughs> Another strikeout. You can see the frustration on his face.
2: We're in the middle of a war. Have some stuff. This I'll kill you.
1: I'll kill you all. After I graduate, we're moving in together. Whoa. Over my dead body. <laughs> <Money. laughs>
0: oh, you know what they say: it doesn't kill us, it only makes us stronger. All right, and so what we have here basically are we're we're covering. Some necrosapiens is what they prefer to be called in this film. Uh, we're chiefly following Keith and his significant other and life partner because as, as the film is, as the, as the mockumentary goes into discussing, uh, it's not legal to marry a necrosapien. We have Jeremy, who is an aspiring Baseball player, college baseball player, and following his life. And then we also are following Bridget, who is a very big fan of Dan Basso, who is a Democrat candidate for governor who also happens to be a Necrosapien. Now, Bridget is a traditional human role, I guess you would say, but she is super supportive. It follows these people's differing lives and the struggles that they face. It's that, that's the focus of the film, but the film does generally cover what is going on in the world of the Necrosapiens and how they have had to adjust to life after an actual zombie apocalypse brought on by a new species of blowfish. I think that's a pretty good synopsis there wouldn't you agree there tim did you mention that
1: it was a mockumentary i did in the form of like best in show you know the christopher guest flicks
0: correct i mean this is a full-on mockumentary if i was not clear about that earlier yes because the idea here is that naturally there is no zombie apocalypse because the whole kick of it is these necrosapiens have not only survived as zombies per se, they have been cured of the of the ailment that made them zombies and that's why they're necro sapiens it's a very very clever way to look at the zombie genre that has not been done before and I think that's what's probably the best part of this film is how clever every setup Is just the overall idea of how the zombie outbreak happens to how the development of the cure is made to why it's being shot in East Texas to the varying degrees of success that these necrosapiens are living life amongst. The living, I guess, uh, because they don't really, they, 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 they don't really have any other classification against humans, I suppose. Uh, so it doesn't really, you get the us versus them mentality, but you don't have something where they, uh, where, where they don't have, where you have something that you can call humans to, to really kind of give you that us versus them thing. Basically, zombies becomes kind of like the Z word that you're not supposed to say. And again, they do create all these different scenarios. And all of the setups are really good. Like Jeremy, again, who's this college student and he's a sapien who is trying to become like the first major league baseball necrosapien and, and stuff like that Keith and Sarah Keith is trying to move up in this in, in his job and also he's trying to start a family with Sarah Sarah by the way is not a sapien, and so as alluded to with the whole marriage thing and so it creates those different dynamics and tensions I think that the that every setup imaginable that they that they put for this is just super super clever uh, i don't know what do, what do you think tim
1: i agree it's very clever i liked uh, the cast of characters they're all very colorful and unique in their own way there wasn't a lot of repetition and blending in both the characterizations and also the writing and it had a constant pace to it. Well, I mean, a constant pace. I guess everything has a constant pace. But it has a pace that is constantly moving forward and it's throwing a lot of ideas at you. Which is good. I mean, it keeps things moving. They take risks, which I, I like a lot. And do all the risks that they take land on their feet? No. But... I commend them for trying to take risks. I also commend them on playing around with different types of humor as well. A lot of the dialogue is clever, and a lot of the interactions are clever, but you still have your gross out gags. I mean, nothing is really too incredibly gross, but. Uh, and then you have your sexually suggestive gags. Uh, you have, like, the gag when they're in the doctor's office and. The couple, they're trying to get pregnant, and the doctor tells the... the zo- uh,
0: Keith. Tells Keith, yeah.
1: Yeah, Keith, he's a zombie, and his... Is it his wife? Yeah, it's his wife. She's not a zombie, and they're trying wanting to have a baby, and the doctor says, Sorry, you can't have a baby. You have varicose veins in the balls, and that's what's, you know, keeping you from producing sperm. And I laughed. I thought that was really funny, because in some weird way, it makes sense scientifically doesn't make sense no but it's it's funny enough to where i bought into it and seeing how down it made keith you really as an audience member actually feel bad for him but behind the doctor there is like this anatomy mannequin that's behind him and it's like bent over and you see the ball sack of the mannequin but then you see the butt and there's like this giant hole that somebody cut into the butt to make a gaping butthole as if somebody was using it for sexy good times
0: <laughs> nefarious purposes right yeah no i mean exactly it's one of those things that and i know we're we're using i'm not trying to overuse the word clever but that's it that's the idea you can really see the wit with which this script was written. And it does, again, go to the filmmakers, um, ability to, and again, that's gonna be Zach, Jacob, and Ethan. They, they really did a hell of a lot with very little. I mean, this is clearly a very low budget that this is a, uh, a, an early effort for them, maybe even the first time effort. I have not been able to, get that much down as determined whether or not this is the first real film effort that they've had beyond any school projects or what have you. But despite that, and and it's not one of those, Oh, well we should feel, you know, we should take it easier on them because no, no, no. That's the whole point. When you, when, when you have such limited funds to work with, to come up with something that is slickly produced and shot is very difficult. So when you meet that bar to a very large degree, it brings, it brings up the quality of the film as a whole. Now, that being said, the makeup, while, um, very simple is effective in just conveying the, the minimum of what it needs to convey so that you have your very clear necros versus your very clear humans. And that's fine. Uh, that, that's very good. But there are some interesting choices that are made when, um, when decisions were being drawn as to whether or not full body makeup should be applied. And I'm not sure if that became something that was just depending on the day, whether or not they had more time or if as the shooting schedule got along, they were either running out of time and or running out of money. But you can definitely see the makeup, um, a- applications vary and the, the quantity. And then, uh, by the end of the film, I would even say it gets a little rougher. So, but it's not something, it's something that you notice, but it's not something that detracts. Because if anything, you can, it's how, depending on how you're going to interpret that, it becomes well maybe they're just deteriorating more who knows uh maybe they're mining it for more ideas later on and so it's not something that is going to again necessarily detract from anything but these are the things that you notice especially in the smaller budget films which are uh which is a lot which has a lot going for it i would definitely say um i think though that despite its clever setups despite the wit and despite all the, the the production values that are present. And I mean, and again, the I think probably despite the clever premise and everything. Honestly, these guys are smart in how they choose to shoot their scenes. For example, there is a pizza joint that's really popular and a chicken joint that's popular and discussed or whatever. And basically they're using a Hungry Howie's chain. And that's the restaurant they're filming in. So people are going to recognize where these filming locations are, but only if you truly know them. If you don't know them, then it's going to work because they're very smart and they're tight in their shots. And the cinematography is set up in such a way that it's backing up the idea of small town life, which is what they're trying to get that glimpse of in this particular scenario. But that also provides them the avenue to do things like only, like, uh, when Jeremy is having issues, um, he, he's got some hecklers. He's having a bit of a slump in the baseball season. And so there's some hecklers who are bothering him, but it's literally like four kids at the edge of the field. And so because it's a small town and then they make fun of the attendance numbers at one point in the movie, it's like, we've got a whopping 87. Uh, whatever the whatever they are I'm sorry I don't remember uh, if they're like the the beavers or something like that but it's like we got a whopping 87 people well then that would make sense as to why there's only four people there who are making fun of him and it also makes it easier to set up why he would be able to so clearly hear one person making fun of him and so uh, it's it's Always set up like that. There's also another fight between, uh, Keith and Sarah. They get into an argument at a red box over a, over a horror movie. And so it's very cleverly shot. So you don't know where they're at other than that, than they're at a red box, but most of the other stuff is kind of blotched out or whatnot. Again, just very, very clever use for it. And again, uh, for example, just to kind of switch gears, Bridget, is trying to help this Dan Basso guy get elected, so it's a campaign. So where do they shoot? In a very small business office that is designed to be like a campaign like a campaign center, right? So it's very well chosen locales and aspects of things. Um, however, with with the good, there comes the bad. I guess not necessarily bad but definitely some things to some things to talk about I really felt that some of the issues that are brought up in the film I don't know if they've necessarily I don't I, won't, I don't want to say they missed the mark but they do feel a little bit dated per se so for example like the necromarriage thing is supposed to be kind of like an allegory for gay marriage the especially there's a specific point in the film where they talk about this chicken joint who the, this chicken joint owner who makes statements of what have you that offends the zombie populace um <clears throat> Pardon me. And so it's pretty clear that they just superimposed the name of a chicken joint over Chick-fil-A. And so it's, so things like that kind of make you wonder where, where they're going with that and why they're doing that. And especially because of the way they explain the phenomenon. And again, they do a fantastic job of explaining the phenomenon. It just, it turns it into something that is almost too small scale to care about as if, as the focus of the mockumentary. Because they, they, they figure out a way to get it narrowed down to pretty much just East Texas, uh, a little bit going into Dallas, a little bit going into Louisiana. And of course, they're, they're primary, primarily filming in places like Nacogdoches and stuff like that. Um, so it kind of only affects, at the end of the day, it only affects 40,000 people. And sure, 40,000 people is not an insignificant number, especially in a small area, regional area like East Texas, where you can have towns that are as small as 300 people. But with the issues that get that, that that become raised in the film and the questions that the film's asking, even though it's satirical, even though it is a mockumentary, it then kind of starts leading into questions of, but how or why? Because it becomes a little harder to make that big splash, to make that big transition to a nationwide issue or something that's going to mean a lot to the third most populous state in the United in the United States when it only affects 40,000 out of 350 million. I don't know. What are you thinking, Tim?
1: Yeah, I mean that didn't bother me at all. I mean, I that might be looking into certain things a little too much cuz what I got from the film is that all right, there's a nationwide zombie, you know, outbreak or whatever it's called and the government Military, whoever, had a handle on it. And now there's just enough to where normal life can resume. And and that's where the office place comedy laughs and storytelling comes into play.
0: No, man, I get that. The problem was is that it wasn't ever nationwide. It was only in Dallas and Houston. Oh, really? Yeah, it was something like 50,000 people had ended up eating... Had had ended up eating oh, this tented right. blowfish yeah, blowf- or whatever it was, and then yeah, after the that's right after the symptoms manifested, they started attacking people and stuff like that. And then it got to like a hundred thousand or something. And then, but it was still all in Texas. And then yeah, after the cure right. was found, it's down to like forty thousand people. And so it's clearly not going to go anywhere. But you know
1: that didn't bother me too much. They do such a good job explaining the outbreak and. Coming up with, I think, a very interesting way to go about having the virus start, I I guess. I I was distracted from looking into that aspect, so that really didn't didn't bother me. I did think, before I go into my reservations for the film, I just want to say again, I was impressed by this movie. I thought it was very well produced. The performers, the performances, most of them were very, very good. I was impressed with some. It seemed like there was local talent that they got. Therefore, it kind of had this Richard Linkletter, Bernie-type feel to it. Parts of the movie, it felt like a marriage of Christopher Guest and Richard Linkletter. I liked it. It was a breath of fresh air, you know, when it comes to the comedy genre. And I guess you could even say another movie in the mockumentary genre that one could compare this to is What We Do in the Shadows. The Taika Waititi vampire roommate movie from a few years ago. Because there were so many great aspects, some of the not so great aspects were more prevalent they were more obvious. And if I was able to point one of these things out and offer, I think, probably the best constructive criticism is that you have a 91-minute movie, and I think it easily could be trimmed by 12 or 13 minutes. Because you do have a little bit of drama there towards the end between Keith and his wife, or forget her name. It happens... In such a natural, it progresses, and they reconcile in a very natural human way. And and it doesn't take that long for them to accomplish that. Therefore, you have another 80 minutes to the movie. So if the movie was shortened to 80 minutes total, or maybe even 75 minutes, uh, man, the movie would just really, I think, hone in on the comedic beats and you would still have the build-up to the drama and all the, the dunomays of all the different characters. It would still work. I mean, overall, though, I thought it was a very entertaining film. I'm glad that we were able to watch it.
0: Same here. And and please don't misunderstand. The reason why I guess maybe I'm looking a little too much into it, right? You know, it's like, guys, you know, uh, we, we appreciate what you're trying to tell us, but uh, maybe don't look so hard. Is... Because you've given us so much awesome stuff to look at and think about that it kind of starts to make you look at the layers of the film. Right? Hey, look, we're bringing it back. Right? Looking at the parfait, the onion that is your film. And because, again, it's so witty and it's so clever and very, very smart. And the production... Given how small it was also has those feelings. Like Tim was spot on with the link letter stuff. It does really kind of feel that way. Um, and, and like you've got those amazing layers, like the porn stuff that was in there that kind of becomes its own subgenre. Uh, and then that, that even has a great little payoff later on that I don't want to spoil <clears throat> because it even took me a second to be like, wait a minute. And then as soon as I got the gag, and I was like, oh my gosh, what a great payoff. And so you've got all this kind of stuff in there. You've got married with children in this thing that is fantastic as well. So there's so much stuff that's going on here That's that's got these great setups and payoffs. It makes me start looking for more. And that is why I start looking at things like, um, well, why is it only affecting 40,000 people? Why don't we have something that helps us build the world more and things of that nature? I, 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 for me, it is a very big compliment because you're getting me to look at these things. You've, you have got me buying into your world so much that I'm trying to understand the whole world. And all you have done is make this great little mockumentary about small town life for zombies who aren't zombies anymore. I think that's the win. And I think that's probably where I should stop. That's the win. (laughs) By God. (laughs) At the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, I know I will tell anyone who can listen. If you are able to get your hands on this, uh, if you're uh, legally and, uh, you know, if you're any of our podcaster friends who are interested, uh, we can definitely shoot your names to Zach and Jacob and Ethan. And they do actually have uh WDKU Movie.com. So what doesn't kill us, right? WDKU Movie.com. Check out. you can check them out over there and reach out to them as as well. If they do end up landing any kind of uh festival that you can get to and go see this, I would absolutely recommend that. And uh we have extended an invitation for them to be on the show, which I found out today was accepted, so hopefully we will be able to work out work that schedule out here sooner rather than later.
1: Uh, we may need to re ask them this time next week.
0: <laughs> exactly. So we'll we'll definitely reach out to them after the show's dropped and see where we're at from there. But um, th- yeah, I, I I'm definitely very glad to have seen this movie. Zach, Jacob, Ethan. You guys have done a great job, and I would definitely recommend this film. Uh, and again, that is uh, Zach Schlapkol, Jacob Kiesling, and Ethan Cartwright, who are the directors of "What Doesn't Kill Us."
2: This has been Discussions with Matt and Tim. Next time, the bonus segment will be a three-squared featuring Matt and Tim as they choose their three picks for movies they would like to see remade. There are no limitations. It could be a made-for-TV movie, direct-to-video movie. Could be a movie that they love. Could be a movie that they hate. It could be any kind of adaptation. Just a movie they'd like to see remade. Thank you again for listening to Discussions with Matt and Tim.
0: And thank you, weird announcer dude. I hope you get to feeling better soon. You sound like you're a little under the weather. Maybe. Maybe you have the same affliction I do. (laughs) But without further ado... I guess it's time to get to the movies. What do you say, sir?
1: Let's get to the movies.
0: Here we go, folks. It's... The Movie we... <laughs> And the movies for this week are... Isn't It Romantic? And apollo 11 the 2019 version which should be obvious but believe it or not there is like a 1996 version so you know there is that um where do you want to start there sir oh and for those of you who are wondering wait wait a minute you told us there would be dragons yeah well we lied so it's next week don't worry (laughs) we have lives too folks we have lives too
1: so how about we start with what first man should have been Apollo 11?
0: I agree. Let's.
1: I'd like to know what you feel uh, as far as the responsibilities of representing mankind on this trip.
2: That's uh, relatively difficult to, to answer. Uh, it's a job that we collectively said that,
1: that was possible and we could do and and, of course, the the nation itself is
2: backing us, so we just sincerely hope that we measure up to that.
1: The whole Apollo program was designed to get two Americans to the lunar surface and back again to Earth safely. The enormity of this event is something that only
2: history will be able to judge. Apollo 11 has very simply been given the mission of carrying Bend to the moon, landing them there and bringing them safely back. Okay, I can feel it in here like the I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I Go, not no. I
1: don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I go know. landing. do
0: backlight Apollo 11 2019 American documentary film. This is uh, edited, produced and directed by Todd Douglas Miller and basically this is the definitive documentation, not even documentary, just documentation of the 1969 Apollo 11 mission to the moon, which was of course where we landed our astronauts. Uh, for the very first time, Neil Armstrong, all the good stuff, Buzz Aldrin, yada, yada, yada. So, highly recommend you see this movie on IMAX. Let me just say that right up front. Uh, for me, this is a very, very short, uh, very short, very simple. It is the best looking, and it's tons of unseen footage. So, for all of you fans of space documentaries to begin with, is like, guys, I've seen, you know, I already know... What there is to know about you are not going to learn much of anything new. I'm going to tell you that right now. But what you are going to see is the mission through eyes and camera lenses, if you will, that you haven't seen before. It is the story, but there is no narration. There is no production flow. There is no direction to this film that is not authentic and not of the specific period being documented. So what they did was they had all this amazing footage that they found, and they had just buttloads of audio that they knew went with it, but nothing was synced up. And so they painstakingly went through and synced all the original audio with this. So anything, anything that you hear are the people talking anything that you hear interview wise is the original interview anything that you are hearing as voice over is directly related to the mission and uh and or publicity of of the actual time and that's it there is nobody telling you what happened and there is no and then this is how they felt so you're really and truly getting to see what buzz was like right not the first man but actually watching buzz uh oh i'm sorry uh neil armstrong you get to see buzz uh uh, the the real buzz as well you're seeing all the different astronauts in play and so at the end of the day i give this one a four not because uh, it's not I, i it's great you must see it You 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 know, it's fantastic on a cinematic scale, and especially if you can see it in IMAX. That doesn't mean that if, for whatever reason, you can't get to see it in IMAX, don't bother seeing it. No, 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 no. You should see it regardless. The reason why it gets a four instead of a five, because I really couldn't go halfway on this. I was either going to go all the way, or it was a four, because I'm sitting here going... I'm 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 like Tim now. I'm really trying to stay away from quarter stars if I can. It makes sense, you know, kind of just where we're at with the show and whatnot. Um, but I, I didn't want to just do a half star because then it's kind of like, well, where are you? You know, it, it's too fine tuning to give it that half star. Here's why I don't give it five. Even though it's the best looking film you'll ever see, and even though it is stuff you, for the most part, haven't seen before. It's because it's, for the most part, stuff you haven't seen before. It is still, in concept, the same thing you have seen. I think this one is more for the cinematic visuals and more for the hardcore spaceflight fans. And I think that if you are trying to introduce someone... To the space program, like kids, young adults, what have you, or people who aren't really familiar with it, people who haven't cared before, this is what this is the one you show them. But that's why four instead of five, because for the most part, it's stuff you haven't seen before. But there, but it still is basically the mission that you already know. What do you got there, Tim? This film, this documentary,
1: Apollo Eleven solidifies my. Disappointed feelings towards the Damien Chazelle first man movie in first man Neil Armstrong has no personality in fact I can't remember anybody really having any personality in that film Maybe so I I mean last my salt was at the movie theater, but that's the kind of effect The film had on me with this documentary. There are no talking heads. It's actual footage and recordings between the three men up in space, the astronauts, and mission control. These guys were witty. Some of the comments that they made were legitimately funny, and it just made for an overall enjoyable experience. Am I giving it a 5 now, and possibly when I rewatch it at home, will I give it a lesser rating? Quite possibly. Nothing can beat watching this film in IMAX with IMAX sound, screen, and picture. It's an absolutely wonderful experience, and I highly recommend. It has a great soundtrack. Uh, the sound effects that were added to the film just adds that extra depth to the humanity that you are witnessing on the screen. The night before, I actually rewatched Apollo 13. It made me appreciate Apollo 13 even more, because... Ron Howard and Company got so much right with the look and the lingo and the personalities of the Apollo 13 mission and with NASA and with the sets and the design, uh, the production design and whatnot, that it was just fantastic watching both of these films back to back. But Apollo 11 solidifies also the importance of space travel, the importance of influencing young kids to dream and ask questions about space travel, you know, because we need people like me who were influenced by Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and all the astronauts from the 70s and the 80s and early 90s. We need that kind of influence in our lives and we're not getting enough of it, especially when it pertains to space travel and moving the notch forward in human technology and invention so five out of five for me
0: cool all right then that leaves us with isn't it romantic the 2019 version it's
2: just a movie you see natalie life's not a fairy tale girls like us don't get that But why well look in the mirror doll when no julia roberts Day's payday, what are we talking about? Natalie's saying that romantic comedies are bad. All those movies are lies that are terrible pop songs. I think people would have an easier time seeing you if you were a little more open. Hey. I'm Jack. Natalie. Give me the purse. Why does this shit always happen to me? You're in the emergency room. This isn't an emergency room. This is a Williams Sonoma. It looks like somebody's put a beauty filter across New York City. Nine one one. What's your emergency? Someone's broken into my apartment and they've taken everything and replaced it all with much nicer stuff. So your emergency is that your apartment is too big and you have every shoe you could ever want. Yeah, exactly. That's what I. um... Bye. i crazy. I hit my head really hard and I woke up in this alternate universe. And now I have a gay sidekick who's setting gay rides back like a hundred years. I love working the legs. Jesus! And guys looking me in the eyes. You're quite beguiling, aren't you? Are you feeling what I'm feeling? No! Oh my God. I think I'm trapped in a My life's become a mother romantic comedy. And it's PG-13. <laughs>
1: Okay, Booch, what's the update?
2: I have to get a man to fall in love with me. Boom, 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 yeah. I'm Josh. That is such a beautiful name. Good morning, beautiful. Last night was amazing. I didn't think we actually did anything and just cut to the next morning. What? Just get back here. Okay.
0: 2019 Satirical Romantic Comedy. It's directed by Todd Strauss uh Schulson. Written by Eric Cardillo, Dana Fox, and Katie Sil- uh, Silberman. Film stars Rebel Wilson, Liam Hensworth, Adam Devine, and Priyanka Chopra. And follows a woman who, after, who basically, <clears throat> her life kind of sucks. But then after she gets hit and has a concussion or whatever, she wakes up and the world is like all sorts of different now. And she realizes she's in, her life has become a romantic comedy. Um, and it's important to note a PG-13 romantic comedy. Um All right. Again, don't have a lot to say about this film. It is a by-the-numbers satire of a PG-13 rom-com using by-the-numbers elements of a PG-13 rom-com. So, on its face it doesn't seem to be doing much different with you know trying to change the paradigm but i will say that what it does for the most part it does very well um i was at i like the sex scene i think is probably my my favorite of the whole thing um because much like in a pg13 sex scene you don't really see much you don't really do much oftentimes it fades to black and then you know you go to the next uh, you go to the next scene but the thing is is as she lives this new world she's like not getting any and i mean it's just this is one of the ways in which the movie Of course, it's going to pick at sex scenes in PG-13 rom-coms, and it's got to use the sex of the PG-13 rom-com to do so. So that is a chief way of showing you that it's very by the numbers in its satire, and it's very by the numbers of the rom-com status quo, but it digs deep enough that it still holds. It's really funny um and lighthearted witty funny that's not super not really too much that's going to make you go ah, ha, ha ha right um but good enough that i liked it i mean i truly like the movie and i'm giving this one a 3.5 out of 5 and i would say if you get a chance definitely throw a little money at it because i would like this movie to do well enough not to get a sequel but for studios to go hey Maybe we should do a little more of this, and we might get something even smarter. Hopefully it doesn't do, like, really, really super amazingly well, because then they just start, you know, making carbon copy clones that are terrible. Um So I want it to do well enough that we can get another movie like this. So check it out. 3.5 out of 5. I recommend it. Bring us home there, Tim.
1: I can't tell you the last comedy I've seen at the theater where I laughed this much. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed, isn't it, romantic? And I think this film solidified my appreciation of Rebel Wilson. She's just an incredibly likable actress, and I really like her delivery. She's not a bitch she's not she doesn't try too hard and genuinely likable and you she's the type of person that you want to root for. I like it. It's just utterly charming. Um, The film is very clever. Feels like I'm saying clever a lot this episode, but it's very clever. And the film doesn't rely solely on its clever premise. Yes, the premise is great. That's what sold me during the trailers or with the trailers. But it takes the premise and it moves on to something different. They don't really settle for the gimmick long enough to where it becomes bland. It continues staying fresh until the film ends. Does the movie work 100% of the time? No, not really. I think there are two trouble spots with the film. The first trouble spot is the transition from normal real life into the romantic parallel universe. And then the second issue is the transition out of the romantic parallel universe. There was just not a lot of buildup. And it just kind of happens. But it's still very good. I,
0: again, give it a four out of five. Highly recommend it. Go check it out. Right on, right on. Okay, well then I guess that brings us to the end of the movies. Next week's movies are going to be Captain Marvel and How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. For real this time, y'all. We'll make sure to get it done. And without further ado, I guess it is now... Time for the spiel. Is it not, sir?
2: Spiel on. Oh, Stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. He said that he's in great pain and he wants to know if you can help him.
1: All right, would you tell him to just relax and I'll be back as soon as I can with some medicine.
2: Just hang loose blood. She's going to catch up on a rebound on the medside. What it is, big mama. My mama raised no dummies. I duck her rap. Copy some slack, Jack. Get it's a cutie, the wanna help, Chomp Don't get the to help, to get the Say help. can't hang, say seven up. Jive ass dude don't got no brains in here. <laughs>
0: Well, the music you've been listening to, as always, has been brought to us by our music partners, Cries of Solace. You can check them out at ReverbNation.com and Facebook.com, both, slash, Cries of Solas. As for us, we are, of course, the Cast. You can find us at SLSCast.com. You can send us an email to the show at SLSCast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at the Cast. You can follow me, this is Matt, on Twitter, at nettwit 12345 And, of course, come aboard that information to you buy when track down to on Twitter, if... That is your heart's desire. Don't forget, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and our favorite us on Stitcher Radio, as well as track us down to the old SoundCloud and other podcast directories. If you'd like to support the show, please do so by heading on over to Patreon.com and checking us out there. And so until next week, this is Matt saying the thanks to Adam Divine. I get to say this. Jealousy is the worst trait in any
1: person. Take care, cinephiles, and we'll talk at you again next week. Madam, perhaps we should be going... Oh, very well, monsieur. Thank you so much. So nice to see you. And I hope very much we will see you again very soon. Au revoir, monsieur.